listening to New Life the Fort, where the person of Jesus Christ and His love for you are shared. I want to thank uh, Jocelyn and Mylene. You know, um, relationships are part of your destiny. And your future is tied into the relationships that you have. If you want to see where you're going to go in life, you need to check out the people that you run with. You will never fly like an eagle if you're walking around with turkeys and chickens. Now, your friends might be turkeys, and you might be a turkey, but God transforms people. Hallelujah. And uh, I I love our relationship. I love the friendship that we have. We're family. I love your pastors. They are wonderful, wonderful pastors. You are blessed. Let's give them a hand. Come on. Let's just commit the rest of this service to the Lord. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we're not here because of me or Josel and Mylene. We're here because of you and who you are in our lives. We thank you that you are the Lord, our shepherd. And truly, when we get a revelation of who you are, we shall not lack, not in any area of our lives. Lord, we thank you for the time that we share together today. We thank you for your spirit who ministers and moves in And in the midst of our celebration, you're teaching, you're instructing, you're imparting, you're healing, you're helping, you're rebuilding us, and you're bringing forth your character, your peace, and your joy, your strength in greater and greater measure in us individually and in us collectively, in our homes, in our families, and in this church. And so we thank you for this day as we celebrate together who you are, what you've done, and oh, the wonderful, 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 wonderful things which are yet to come that have not even entered into our imagination. They're so far beyond even our prayers already. And as big as we have prayed and as big as we imagine, you have things for us that are way beyond that because only you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we can think and dream and hope and ask or even imagine. So we thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to share something with you that has been in my heart for quite a while. And uh, I actually shared this in Alabang, and uh, your pastors were there, and I told them, don't preach this, because I wanted to save it for today. And I mean, if the Holy Ghost gave me a release, because sometimes you save something and you think you're going to preach it, and then you get somewhere and the Holy Ghost goes, no, you, you go this direction. How many know it always pays to listen to the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Amen. Uh, If you have your Bibles or iPads or iPods or iPhones or whatever you read in, how many know a Bible is always a good thing to have? The batteries never go dead on this. 
You don't have to recharge it. The lights do not go out. It will never crash. Oh, pastor, you're just being old. No, I'm older. I am not old. Everybody gets older. Just don't get old. Amen. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up testing him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, You go... And you do likewise. Now, this story is a picture of the gospel. In this story, we're going we're to look at a couple different directions. In this story, we see a man who's on a journey. How many of you know we're all on a journey? We're all progressing through life. And it says, as he, now, it also says a certain man. Now, as you're reading the Gospels, understand the difference between when Jesus is giving a parable and when he says a certain man. In other words, anytime he refers to a certain man, he's talking about something that actually happened. It's not a story that he's using just to teach a spiritual truth. He's talking about a real situation, a real person, a real problem with a real solution, an actual happening, a certain man. It says that as he was going on a journey, he fell among thieves. And it says that they stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. This man in this story represents you and I. Because what happened before we met Jesus, what sin did to us, the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And what happens is in life, we get stripped, we get wounded, and without Jesus, you and I are half dead. If you don't have Jesus in your life, you are alive on the outside, but you have death on the inside. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have. Oh, come on. You can say it louder than that. I have come that you might have life. Now he's talking to people who could see and could hear. They, they walked there that day. They could see Jesus. They could hear Jesus. They could touch the people next to them. So they were alive. There's a difference between being alive and having life. 
And many people every day that you meet are alive, but they don't necessarily have life. The Bible says, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. You see, you don't get eternal life when you die. You get eternal life when you meet Jesus. You see, you need life to come into you so when this body dies, you step out of this body. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When you understand eternal life, then you understand what Jesus said to Mary and Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will not die. And he who believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. I don't know about you, but I've been to many wakes and funerals of Christians You say, but Jesus said they would not die. The Bible doesn't call that death. The Bible calls that departure. See, once eternity comes to live in my heart, I carry eternity in my heart now. And and when this body gets older and through disease, death, accident, or whatever, this body stops functioning, but I step out of my body and into eternity. This body is just my outer clothing. I am more than a body. I have a body, but I am more than a body. Amen? That is the value of, of, of people meeting Jesus. And so this outward container carries eternity on the inside. That's why you and I are a walking contradiction. We are temporary and earthly on the outside, but we are heavenly and eternal on the inside. And that's why you have to make sure you're living more out of your inner man than your outer man. This stuff is earthly and temporary and can get you in trouble. Come on, has your flesh ever got you in trouble? You might be redeemed on the inside, but your flesh can still get you in trouble. But we don't walk according to the flesh. We walk and live according to the spirit. We live according to our inner man. Are you with me? Just hang with me. I'm just trying to get through my introduction. So it says that this man was wounded and beaten and left half dead. This is what happens to us in the world. It's what happens to us with sin is, is, is life robs us. It beats us up. And without Jesus, we are half dead. And we see that religion came by, a priest came by, and a Levite came by. Guess what? They provided no help because religion cannot help you. But a certain Samaritan came by and he stopped. And he stopped and he poured in oil and wine. He brought healing to the present problem and an empowering for the future of a life. And he stopped because he had compassion. You know what compassion does? It touches you in your heart that when you see something, you cannot leave it in the same condition in which you find it. You must do something to bring change to what you see. The Bible said, let us come boldly to the throne of Grace to receive, it says mercy, but the true word is compassion. In other words, God sees your condition and he cannot leave you in the same condition in which he finds you. He must bring change to what he sees. So Jesus is the one and he comes and he sees you and I and we have been stripped, wounded and left half dead and he pours in everything needed and necessary to revive us and to restore us. He picks us up. And he brings us to the inn. Guess what the inn is? It's the church. And he commits us to the innkeeper. And he says, listen, you take care of him. 
Who pays for everything? The Samaritan. A stranger. This is not a relative. It's not a brother. It's not a sister. It's not his mother. It's not a father. The, even the guy who was wounded, wounded, stripped, and left half dead. We don't know the condition of his life. We don't know if he was a good person or a bad person. He could have been a drunkard. He could have been gay. He could have been an unfaithful husband. He could have been a. We don't. He could have been a thief. We don't know the condition of the man except he was left half naked. He was wounded and he was half dead. We. It, it doesn't say that he deserved help. Jesus is the one, and he stops, and he pours, and he gives everything needed and necessary, and he picks us up. He brings us to the end, and he pays for it all. He pays for all of it. And then he tells the innkeeper, take care of him. And when I return, when I return, how many of you know he's coming back? When I return, I will repay you for how you take care of him. God will repay you for how you take care of them. Who are you taking care of? Because he said, whatever you spend, whatever you spend, I'll make sure you get more back than you ever gave out. So you see this story of the Good Samaritan really is a picture of the gospel. Now, that's just my introduction. So in life, we see three different kinds of people. Three different kinds of people. Three different kinds of people that we can become. Number one, we see the thief. Look at the person next to you say, you're safe. I'm not a thief. Well, come on. Look at somebody say, you're safe. I'm not a thief. What do thieves do? They take from us. They leave us smaller. They leave us weaker, stripped financially, emotionally, or physically. A lot of things in life steal from us. I just flew back in from Takloban. I've had five trips to Takloban. I go back down Tuesday. I've been there every single week. The destruction is more than you can imagine. And let me tell you, I don't care what you hear on any website, that wasn't God. Jesus doesn't come in and destroy. I don't care what kind of religious teaching you hear, let me be so bold to say it right now. That was not the judgment of God. I've seen body bags. I've seen dead people. I've seen dead mothers and dead children. I've seen the mass grave with thousands of people. I have smelled the death in this nose right here. And I'm telling you, it is not the work of a compassionate, loving Jesus. It's not God. God loves the Philippines. He has a plan for the Philippines. He is not judging the Philippines. It's not the work of God. It was a storm. And it wasn't Jesus. My Jesus comes to bring life. A lot of things in life that steal. A lot of things in life that kill. Storms kill. People kill. People steal. 
Some people steal from you with their hands. Other people steal from you with their words. How many of you have lost confidence, lost your peace, and lost your joy because somebody came in and with their judgments or their criticisms robbed you of your dream because of their words? Don't be a thief. Don't rob people of their dreams. Don't rob people of their confidence. Don't rob people of their dignity. Do not rob people of their respect because of critical words or judgmental words. Thieves don't just steal with their hands. Some people steal with their words. Some people steal with their attitudes. Some people steal in business. We are not thieves. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the devil. We have nothing to do with him. And we don't want any kind of attitude or motive or action that resembles the thief. People search for years to try to build a positive, healthy attitude and build value on the inside of themselves. And the thief comes along and takes and steals. Don't, don't be a thief. So we see these three different attitudes. The attitude of the thief is this. What's yours is mine. When a thief comes along, he sees what you has, have, he wants it. So the attitude of the thief is what's yours is mine. I see what you have, I want it. And they will use force, manipulation, threat, guilt, or deception to take what belongs to you. They find joy in taking from others. Their focus is what can I get, what blesses me, what pleases me. That's the attitude of the thief. Go ahead and look at the person on the other side of you say, you're still safe. And the attitude of the thief is very short-lived and it steals from this present generation it hinders this present generation no concern for the pain it brings for others it is motivated by greed lust envy selfishness and anger i'm not a thief i'm not a thief come on say i'm not a thief say i am not a thief now ask yourself is there any area of your life where you act like a thief Whose joy have you stolen lately? Have you left people smaller or bigger as a result of your communication, your conversation, your giving? Are you a giver or are you stingy? We don't want to be greedy. We don't want to be selfish. We don't want to be envious. We are not thieves. When people come in contact with us, when they have left our presence, they're not smaller. They don't have less joy. They don't have less dreams. We have not taken anything from them. We add to their lives. We don't take from them. That's the kind of church we are. I said we. Come on. We're all new life here. Come on. People come in here, when they leave those doors, they leave bigger. You will never leave this church service smaller. You will never leave feeling condemned. You will never feel leaving judged. You will never leave feeling guilty or sad. You will leave with joy. You will leave with peace. You will leave dreaming bigger dreams. You will leave with a larger hope. You will never leave one of these services smaller in any area of your life. Because the thief has no place in here. We are here to reverse what the thief has done in your life. So the attitude of the thief is what's yours is mine. That's not our attitude. Amen? The attitude of the world 
Those who really don't care about us. The priest comes by. The Levite comes by. This, re- this represents not only a religious attitude, but a worldly attitude. See, the attitude of the thief is what's yours is mine. The attitude of the world is what's mine is mine. You see, when the priest came by or the Levite comes by or people of the world come by, they have the ability to help. They do have the ability, but they don't have the heart. And they won't pay the price and they won't take the time. Those who really don't care about us, indifferent, they leave us as we are, and they really don't take anything from us, but they don't add anything to us either. In fact, it's very possible that this attitude takes the last thing maybe you have. I don't know if the man laying there in the ditch that was stripped Wounded and half dead. I don't know if he was conscious or unconscious. I don't know if if he could see or hear. I don't know if he was aware after the thieves left him when the priest walked by or the Levite walked by. I don't know if he saw them, but if he did see them, if he was awake, if he was conscious, then they possibly stole the last thing he had was an expectation that somebody cares. Sitting there in your condition in life, somebody comes by and you're, you see them and they pass by. Somebody else comes by and hope rises up. And maybe they'll stop, maybe they'll help. And they cross by the other side and they leave. And what little hope you had left now begins to disappear because their attitude of what's mine is mine. And they add to the disappointment. They add to the neglect. They add to the pain. It is selfish. It is self-serving because people are fearful concerning getting more or replacing of what maybe they're going to give away. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe you deserve this. Maybe you're a bad person. Maybe you're a thief and somebody beat you. I don't know who you are, but I don't want to get involved with your life uh, because, you know, if I touch you, I might get dirty. I might get bloody. And, 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 and you know what? I, I have things of my own. I, I'm a busy man, and I really don't have time for you. And if I get involved, I don't know how much it's going to cost me. And I really don't even know you. And, and I'm going to put all this responsibility on me to pay for you. And, 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 and what am I going to do with you? And, and, and you know what? It's just easier to ignore. One of the worst diseases in the church today is a neck disease. It's called the look away. We see a condition, we see a situation, and we know we have the ability to help, but because we don't want to pay the price, we don't want to get involved, it's just easier to look away. Because when you look and your eyes get involved, the longer you let your eyes connect sooner or later, what goes through your eyes grabs your heart. And if you don't want your heart to get connected, it's best to just look away. Let's be honest, when you're in the, when you pull up to a, an intersection, if you're in your car, 
And the children are knocking on your window, begging. You don't just sit there and stare at them. I mean, because if they're looking in the window and you just go, isn't that rude? So what do you do? Or you talk to the person next to you, or if it's a long light, you text somebody. But Because as soon as you look at somebody, then you allow them to expect from you. Isn't that true? And that's the reason we look away is we break off any kind of expectation because, you know, I don't want you to expect from me because if you expect from me, I'm going to have to pay a price. I don't know if, if I have enough. I don't know if I really want to do it. I don't know if I have the ability to change your situation. So it's just easier to look away and walk away. And that's usually what the world does. The world does not have the ability to bring change to your pain and to your problem. Now, self-preservation is not always bad. See, the, the world doesn't always see the value of sowing and giving. The greatest priority of the world is self-preservation the sacrifice for the benefit of somebody else is not usually their first thought. The attitude of the world is guarding, maintaining, preserving, and protecting. Which these are all good traits to an extent. I want to take care of my family. I love my wife, I love my sons, and I love my daughter. My first responsibility is to take care of Sister Shadi. I'm going to give more to her than I am any other person. I'm going to take care of my sons and my daughter first and my, and my daughter-in-law. I have a daughter-in-law. Hallelujah. I have a new daughter-in-law. And, and so my, I, I'm, I'm going to love them and I'm going to give to them. I mean, let's be honest. You give to your wife more than somebody else's wife. You better. There you go. You also give more to your husband than somebody else's husband. Come on, can I get an amen? I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. You give more to your children than somebody else's children. See, those you love dearly, you give to. So, protection and preservation is not bad to make sure you take care of your home. You take care of your home. You take care of your family. When it's time to give, you give your tithes, you give your offerings, you give generously. But, but they, they will never tell you give everything away. There's no place in the Bible that tells you to give everything away. Then, and if you see somebody on television says, send me all your money, change the channel. I have a word for you. You're supposed to send me all your money. I have a word for you. You're watching the wrong program. Oh, but Pastor Paul, you know, Jesus told the rich young ruler, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. Yes, he told him to sell it all. He didn't say give it all away. He said sell it all. Why did he want him to sell it all? Because he did not want him to be in the position of running his businesses. He was calling him to follow Jesus, and he could not be running his businesses and follow Jesus. So sell all that you have so you're not involved running your business, give to the poor, and come and follow me. 
See, because when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord, and the Lord shall repay. So even if he did give to the poor, God would have blessed him with more back anyway. He wasn't telling him to get rid of all that he had. He didn't want him involved in the business aspect. He wanted him walking with Jesus. But he could not disconnect from business. And he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Honestly, he did not have great possessions. Great possessions had him. God doesn't care about what you own. He just cares about what owns you. God doesn't care if you have 20 cars. Have 20 cars. Have 50 cars. But if he wants you to bless somebody with one, give it up. Hold things loosely in your hand. When you live with an open hand, you can receive. You live with a closed hand, you can't receive. You're holding on so tightly to what you have, God cannot put any more in your hand. But when you live with an open hand to touch, it comes back. When you live with an open hand to give, it comes back. This attitude is I find joy in what I gain and what I maintain for myself. I want to put my family first. That's good. I want to provide for them. I want to take care of them. It carries it, but but you cannot carry this strong, self-sufficient attitude. There does come a time where you deny yourself for the benefit of others. See, the attitude of the thief steals from the present generation. The attitude of the world is short-lived, and it's limited for one generation. If you live unto yourself, then everything that you do will be for yourself, and then it will end with you. I love being here with you. You have no idea how much I enjoy this. I love this couple. I believe that in the future, the church they pastor will be bigger than the church I pastor. And I want to see it. You know why? Because fathers celebrate the success of their sons. You are never jealous or in competition with a son. My son Ryan, phenomenal young man. I used to cook professionally. He is so much better of a cook than I am. I, I, I love what, what, he, what he does. Even when he was playing basketball in high school, he was, I, I love watching my, my sons progress and, and watch them and celebrate what God is doing in their life and their gifts and their talents. And I, and I look at Ryan and I look at Steve and, and I see things in them and I want to see them surpass me. I want to see them in their heart and their passions and their success. And, and I, I see Stephen in his love for God and in his relationship with his wife. I, I want to see them have so much more and do so much more than Sister Shadi and I. You see, because when you don't live with self as the center, then you are ready to pass something on to the next generation. The thief steals from the present generation, and the world limits it to one generation. Oh, but the next attitude. See, the attitude of the thief is what's yours is mine. The attitude of the world is what's mine is mine. Oh, but the attitude of the kingdom or the attitude of heaven is what's mine is yours. That's our attitude. Come on, say, that's our attitude. Say, that's my attitude. 
See, the Samaritan, when he shows up, he finds this person in this condition, and immediately he makes everything that is his available to an unknown person. Stripped, wounded, half dead, bloody, beat up, wounded, and he takes the responsibility upon himself to rescue this broken person. That's what Jesus did for you and I. Whatever condition you were in, he sees you and he stops and whatever it takes, he pours into your life. And he pays for it all. You were stripped, you were wounded, you were half dead. You had nothing. We had nothing. And he gave everything. He paid for everything. And he continues to pay for everything. And then whenever we do good, he repays. We didn't deserve it. We were just laying there, beat up by life and beat up by the world. The attitude of the Samaritan and the attitude of this church. Come on, somebody say amen. Is what's mine is yours. Whatever your condition, whatever your need, he is more than enough. Nobody ever left Jesus feeling smaller or weaker. You meet him, you are bigger on the inside. You have life on the inside. It takes a revelation of the love of God and the life of God because it costs. It cost Jesus to give you life. We talk about the grace of God that is free, with the grace of God that is overflowing, the grace of God that is always abounding. But that grace cost. It cost him. And he willingly paid the price. See, if you don't have a revelation of the love of God, you're never going to really enjoy the grace of God. If you don't have a revelation of the love of God, you're never going to help anybody else enjoy the grace of God. Because for someone else to enjoy that grace, it may cost you. Because you will have to stop. You will be inconvenienced. You will have to talk on the phone for an hour when you would rather go watch a movie. Somebody is hurt, somebody is wounded, somebody's in the hospital, and they really need someone to come there, but you are going to go, you know, you have tickets for The Hobbit. And you can either go visit the person in the hospital, or this person is, needs counseling, and you're thinking, oh, they always need counseling, they're always crying, oh, you know, later. I'm so glad when Jesus saw my pain and saw my hurt, he didn't walk by and say, later, I'll see, I'll see you tomorrow. His life is lived beyond pleasure. What's mine is yours is living life with a purpose and for purpose. It's a life of giving. It's a life of serving. It's a life of distributing. And it carries a strong steward attitude. I see that what I have can make a difference in your life. And at this point, I choose to release it on your behalf. And I get joy in that. There's a true joy in watching what you have and who you are and as you give out, enlarging somebody else's life. I get more joy in watching their lives than you could possibly imagine. I get more joy in watching the lives of my sons than you could possibly imagine. 
Coming in here and seeing this church grow brings me more joy than even watching the church in Alabang grow. Because it's all about the kingdom. It's all about touching people's lives. Because we're doing this together. It's not a us and a them. It's a we thing. I can't meet every need. But some people's I can't. Those who care about us add to our lives. They leave us bigger. They leave us stronger. They add financially. They add emotionally. They restore dignity. They restore value. They add esteem and life and strength. They help to build our future. And God is looking for vessels like that. It's a kingdom mentality concerning our resources. Three ways in living and giving. It's either power, pleasure, or purpose. It's either either stealing, selfish, or giving. It's either grabbing, guarding, or giving. Or you're draining, denying, or distributing. God's purpose involves other people. And it pleases God and it blesses God. And it blesses other people. When my giving outlives my life, it produces a legacy. This is generational living. You see, the thief steals what happens in one generation. The attitude of the world limits what's happening to just one generation. But this kind of living guarantees that what's going on in this life will be produced and demonstrated and promoted into the next generation. So it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We go from glory to glory. God is a generational God. He is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Whatever we're doing now will get bigger. It will get stronger. Because our attitude is not self. Love is generous. It makes you a giver. Of all three of these, who do you think Jesus is? Well, he's not the thief. He's not the world. He's the Samaritan. And who does he want us to, just, who does he want us to identify with? The end of the story, he says, you go and you do likewise. How many of you want to be richer in life? Seven of you. That's not real good. How many of you want to be richer in life? You know the only way that you get richer is through giving? When you worship, are you giving? You enrich the presence of God and the awareness of God in your life when you worship. So in worship, you are giving praise, gratitude, thanksgiving, adoration, love. Are you giving? So how are you going to enrich that presence and that awareness in your life without worship? When you pray, are you giving? How many of you need more wisdom? How many of you want to see more power operating in your life? The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of righteous men and women makes tremendous power available. Do not be deceived that just because Jesus died on the cross, you automatically have power whether you pray or not. Jesus... God in the flesh had a habit of getting up every day and praying. 
And if he needed to pray, you and I need to pray. Prayer is communication. It's two ways. It's speaking. It's hearing. It's releasing what's in our heart and receiving what's in his heart. It gives me insight and wisdom for the day. So when I see people, I come into a situation. I have an awareness of of a word that's needed or, or a way that I need to give. When you love, are you giving? Yeah. It just makes you richer in the character of God. When you forgive, what are you giving? Well, you're giving mercy. Come on. What about when you serve? When you obey? When you walk in obedience, you know what you're giving? You're giving over your will to Him. Do you realize there is no way to enrich yourself without giving, whether it's prayer, worship, Do not limit your giving to this. This is just one part. Because to be honest with you, when you worship and when you give in all the other areas, this is the easiest thing. If God has your heart, he he don't have to worry about your wallet. He's got your wallet. And God has your heart, he has something more important than your wallet. He has you. And if God has you, he's got your wallet, he's got your time, he's got your talent, he has your treasure... Because there's nothing gr- Second to knowing him and loving him is the ability to reflect him and demonstrate him to people's life. To make him real to people in everyday life. Not in church on Sunday, but Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Where do we make him real? Where we find people hurt, wounded, and half dead. We stop because we have the attitude of what's mine is yours. It's the attitude of the kingdom. It's the attitude of heaven. It's the attitude of Jesus. He finds us what was his, he made available to us. What does he want the church to do today? He wants us going through our world and making available what heaven has poured into us, making it available to the people that we find. Because people in life are on a journey, and they get hurt, they get wounded, they get stripped, they're half dead. And too many people have walked by, and they need someone to stop, and to see them, and have compassion, and begin to pour in. That's us. That's the church. That's new life. Come on, somebody say amen. Stand up with me. Let me pray for you. How many of you want to see God do miracles through your life? Many people want to see miracles come to their life. But one of the greatest ways to see miracles come to you is as you position yourself to watch it come through you. Just lift your hands towards heaven. Father, I thank you. I thank you for new life here at the fort. I thank you for who we are as a family all over this nation. I thank you for supernatural increase. 
I thank you for something phenomenal that is going to happen that is beyond a man or woman. It's about the reality of Jesus in his love, in his passion, in his healing, and his holiness. Breaking bondages of carnality. Breaking bondages that have people so stuck to past ways and thoughts that they're back and forth with guilt and shame to rejoicing. Something powerful that comes into their life and breaks that. That the anointing breaks and destroys yokes. A presence in the services where when people walk in, an awareness of you and the reality of who you are breaks the weights off of their lives, breaks every chain. More than a song, a demonstration, and lives are touched and changed. I thank you for a presence that settles in this place, an atmosphere for a demonstration of miracles where people know that if they can just come and get into the service that there's healing there, there's deliverance there, there's hope there, there's restoration there. There is a body of people, not just a pastor, but a body of people who genuinely care. I speak that over the church, not just the pastors, but the church. These people see, these people hear, they care, and during the week, they will stop, they will speak, and their hands will be extended, and heaven will flow from them to the wounded, to the sad, to the mad. And Jesus will be revealed. We don't have to wait till Sunday service. Jesus, speak through them, touch through them, love through them, give through them. Make yourself real in everyday life. And I thank you for the leadership of this church. A true son and daughter that Shadi and I carry in our hearts. Show them. Let them see more. Let them hear more. Bring an awareness of the days to come. Of things you are going to mold. A bringing together of certain things. That will take wisdom. Wisdom beyond their years. And I thank you for a new anointing of gifts, gifts of the Spirit to begin to flow. You will begin to see and you will begin to know. The hearts of people will be made known to you because he trusts you. And a word you will speak and a body you will touch. And healing will flow. And deliverance will flow. 
miraculous, miraculous. And Jesus will be glorified. I thank you, Father. I thank you for this church. I thank you for new life. I thank you for the part that we play in this wonderful city and in this nation. That all of us together with you are making a difference. That the name of Jesus will be exalted and you shall become known in greater measure. The hope of this nation. The truth of who you are in demonstration, in demonstration, in demonstration. I keep getting that word, Joseph and Mylene, in demonstration, in demonstration. We thank you for these people. That heaven has made all available to us. And I bless them this day. I thank you for their kindness and their generosity and their giving and their loving and their praying and their serving. And Jesus, you live big in them and through them. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for the church. I thank you for their future. So much more. Just the beginning. Just the beginning. Just the beginning from glory to glory to glory to glory. And we thank you for it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at newlifethefort.com.